people say thoughts have power, I think that thoughts have power, not necessarily because your words have power, but your words influence how you decide to navigate. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori, and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Tanya Rapley, to our show today. Tanya is a serial entrepreneur, best-selling author, millennial money expert, and creator of the award-winning site, MyFabFinance, which provides financial advice for modern millennial women. Tanya launched her business based on her own personal needs. She took a traumatic experience as a survivor of domestic violence and turned it into her greatest creation, the MyFabFinance platform. Tanya took charge of her financial freedom, which allowed her to take charge of her own happiness and power. She is passionate about sharing her knowledge and wants women to be free to make the moves they need to make in their life, especially if their lives and well-being depends on it. Tanya is a national speaker and has written for many popular media outlets, including Forbes, Yahoo Finance, US News, and Huffington Post. Her impressive client list includes Fidelity Investments, Prudential, the National Endowment for Financial Education, and FinCon, the Financial Bloggers Conference. Tanya is also a wife and mother to an adorable little boy, and we're so excited to have her on with us today. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, and I've been following MyFabFinance when it was just a blog, so it's beautiful to see everything you've created, and I'm particularly passionate about this topic of money and women, so I'm looking forward to jumping into this interview today. So I'd love to start from the beginning. What was your childhood like growing up in a military family where you traveled quite a bit? And how do you think that really impacted your viewpoints on success and money today? So yeah, growing up in a military household, it I think it set the framework for like what I wanted and what I didn't want. And so like I grew up in a, it was incredibly stable because my parents are both career military. So like for us, there was no question about, okay, like how's this going to get done? How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to cover this? It was, you know, like we always had healthcare. Um, so it, I knew that I wanted like that certain level of stability for like my adulthood and for my children and everything. But what I can say is that it also allowed me to realize what it looks like not to have control over mm-hmm. or say so over the quality of my life. And that was really important to me. So with my mother and father, you know, at any given time, they could say, oh, you have to go here. And if they like, they had to go, like they, they had to leave there. I mean, my mom told me like she was, I was six months the first time she had to leave me. And like, because of that, it affected her breastfeeding journey because she was gone for six months. I was like, I don't want anyone to determine how involved I am in my children's lives and my family's life. And so um, it, it set the groundwork for what I didn't want as well. Um, but it, it definitely has served me because you almost become fearless when you've had to move several different places and essentially start over um, consistently throughout your childhood, you become fearless as an adult. And you're like, okay, like let's start this journey or let's end this journey. So that has definitely been one of the benefits of um, growing up in a military background. And you've had quite the bit of starts and stops in your own life, both personally and professionally. And I think it really is a testament to you on really pivoting until you really found your voice and your passion, which was MyFabFinance. 
So I actually want to read one of your most recent Instagram posts where you wrote, in 2007, I was fighting for my life in a relationship that was physically, emotionally, and financially abusive. Today, I've built a six-figure business that I started as a blog in 2013. I mean, you have such an incredible and inspiring story. Can you take us back to that moment in 2007 and really how a difficult moment in your life propelled you to start the blog of MyFab Finance? Yeah, I mean, I won't say that I knew it was setting me up at the time. Um, so back in 2007, I was in a relationship. I was a sophomore. No, I was a junior in college. No, I was at my, in my senior year in college in 2007. And um, I was up until that point, I had done like everything right financially. Like I had financed my own car, my computer, everything I had. I had my own apartment and everything. Like my parents were really big on um, making sure that you saved and making sure you had good credit. So I had done those things. And then I met this person who um, that he, we just came from very different backgrounds. Um, he came from a more privileged background and hadn't had as much experience or responsibility as I had had. And um, it was a troubled relationship. And as a result, my finances became compromised in that relationship with him. And so um, when I walked away from the relationship, when I finally decided to leave, I walked away with a whole bunch of financial baggage and I didn't know what to do with it. So I just ignored it. And my fat finance was born because after years of avoiding in New York City and avoiding my finances and so forth, I was like, I don't want to like live in the dark or have to live off the grid and like life has to be complicated because I don't have my finances and my credit in order. Like I just want life to be easier than this. I didn't go to college for life to be this difficult. And so that's when I started taking control of my finances and working on uh, my financial picture. And um, I, my Fed finance was the method in which I held myself accountable. So I was like, I was learning everything that I could about finance and just, you know, I always tell people like at the beginning, I just wanted free clothes. Like I saw someone else <laughs> who had done something and she was like wearing the same outfit for like 365 days. I was like, oh man, I want free clothes too. And so um, I really just started it for that. But it was when I ended up talking to other people in the financial blogger space, I began to realize that it was actually a way for me to become an entrepreneur. And so it didn't start out with that goal, but within about one year, it became the goal. You never know where one project can lead you, right? Mm -hmm. But there was one thing that you mentioned that I really want to unpack. And you talked about how, you know, there was a moment in your life where you had financial baggage and you were in a tough spot financially, but you chose to ignore it, right? And I think there's a lot of people who may resonate with that. So in your life, what was really the alarm that went off that really pushed you to think to yourself that you needed to finally figure it out and get yourself into a better financial situation? Um, there were a few things. Um, I had a roommate in New York City and me and my roommate were continuously bumping heads. And I remember my little sister was like, I mean, you're too old to have a roommate anyway. And like for my little sister to say that, I was like, wait, what? And so my pride kind of took over in that point. But I also didn't realize like, no, I wasn't enjoying the roommate situation at that point. I wanted more space. And so that was one of them. And then when I decided that I wanted to get my own place, um, I couldn't be, or I needed a co-signer. And in New York, you know, co-signers, my parents had to make 80 times what my rent was in order to be the co-signers on my apartment. And my mom was like, I mean, 
we make money, but we're retired. Like, and my mom was like, what? And I think at that time, my mom didn't have financial trust in me either. And she's like, if they want 80 times the rent, we're going to be on the hook for this. And Tanya, you already got two broken leases on your credit. Mm-mm. And so my mom definitely, uh, she, she was not on board. And so I realized I had to do it myself. I had to get my finances. I had to do it and improve my credit myself. And within six months, I had improved my credit score and qualified for my own apartment. That's pretty incredible that you change your credit score in only six months. And I know in New York, just how difficult it is to rent. You, they have all these obligations. And obviously that becomes more difficult when your credit score is less. So kudos to you to really transform your life. And I know at that point, that's when you really started blogging and sharing everything that you learned when you were going through the process yeah. of you know, transforming your credit. And you know, I know in another interview that you did, you really never thought that your blog could be a full-time thing until you heard this woman at the FinCon conference, which is the financial bloggers conference, talk about how she was making $35,000 a month. Can you share more about, you know, why that was a pivotal moment in your life and how you really spearheaded your blog from being this side hobby you were doing to becoming a full-time business? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, the interesting thing about that conference is so when I I first decided um, that I was going to take finance seriously. So I started my Fed Finance in January. Um, I Another thing that made me take it seriously was I went to Paris and London in June of that year. And asking for time off from my job was like, it was, it was just this awful thing that I was having issues with my, my boss. And she was like, you know, no one's ever going to be generous enough to give you certain amounts of time off. And I was just like, oh God, this is this is for the birds. This is terrible. And so um, I, that around that time, I was like, okay, I don't want to have to ask anybody if I want to go somewhere. There are people who travel for a living. If I want to travel, I should be able to travel. And so that was around that time, I was like, let me read how people are doing this for a living. So I found this conference, which is a financial bloggers conference and signed up to go to it. And well, wanted to go and the deadline had passed. And so I was mm. like, oh man, I'm not going to miss it next year. I'm going to make sure I go next year. So fast forward, here comes the next year. And um, actually a brand had reached out to me because of the work that I had done on MyFab Finance over the course of that year. A brand reached out to me about me hosting an influencer event at the conference. And in turn, they would pay for my flight, my hotel, my conference ticket and everything. So I got to go to that conference for free, which like just the year before I had set the intention to go to that conference. Um, and so um, because I was there for free, I was able to sit in on like all the VIP sessions and everything. And so the session I was in, it was a woman um, and she was talking about like her blog was focused on like meal planning and meal prep and so forth. And she was talking about how much she made that that month. And they were like, well, how, you know, they were asking, well, just to put it in perspective, how much can you make doing this? Da, 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 da. And they're like, how much have you made this month? And she was like, and then that's what she said, uh, 30, 35,000. I was like, what? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> like I, at that point, I think at my job that was giving me hell, like I, that job, it just really had to go. Um, I think at that point I was maybe making 42,000 a year at that job. And so I was like, this woman is okay. Something has to give, it's time for me to figure this out for real, for real. And so after I walked away from that conference, I had like a coach in my space and everything and just decided to take it take it seriously. So that conference was, that was in 2014. 
And then in 2015, September 2015, so I went to that conference, September 2014, September 2015, I was resigning to work for myself full time. Wow, that's amazing. And it's just beautiful to see you put that intention out there and really, you know, take it seriously. And the business allowed you to be full time. But what I think is so important is the importance of all of us to talk about money and how much we're getting paid. Because Mm -hmm. looking at your story, you didn't even know it was possible to even be in a position you are today if you didn't hear that woman talk about how she was making $35,000 a month. So it just shows how important it is to talk about how much you're making and see what's possible because that's Mm -hmm. how you, you can really create, you know, bigger goals and dreams for your own life. So going back to my fab finance and your blog, was there anything in particular that you did that you think really allowed you to take that next step of financially paying yourself so you can quit that full-time job that you initially had? Um, you know, so blogging is so different now because honestly, like you're, the whole influencer thing, like it, it wasn't what it is today. And there are people now who are able to monetize and don't even have a blog. So um, I think that what's important to do is to understand how people are making money in the spaces that you're interesting in navigating and playing. And like based on your expertise, based on um, how you communicate with your audience, what are the different revenue opportunities? So with me, I had identified because I was at that conference planning an influencer event that was going to be one of my revenue streams. So figure out how to make that happen. So that became one of my revenue streams. Uh, I always liked writing and there are quite a few people who were and still are in the finance industry who solely are freelance writers for other finance blogs and sites and so forth. So I added writing as a revenue stream. And it's funny that you mentioned um, knowing what's possible and seeing what's there because my first paid article um I got paid $50 to write that article, but I was so happy to just be getting paid for my words outside of my site. Um, I recently pinned a paid article for a client and I got paid $7,500 for it. Amazing. So it just goes to show like there's growth. You start out somewhere. Sometimes you don't start out in the, in the at big, but then you just continue to do the work, continue to add credibility. Um, and, and you can really, you can grow from there. And so, um, I did, so writing, and then I created products, digital products that we could sell to the MyFab audience, and then created our first like boot camp. Um, And so did that and was doing one-on-one coaching as well. So it really was just looking at what are the different ways people are making money in my space? And okay, how do I implement this? Doesn't make sense for me to implement. Yeah, and I think that's so relatable to any business in any industry is really, you know, looking at, your peers and your competitors and seeing what they're doing to, you know, make money. And also one thing that I do, I even sometimes look outside my industry that I'm in and I get inspired, you know, by seeing what other people are doing who aren't necessarily in my space as well. And what I really love about your story is the power of consistency and hard work. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, you started this blog, but you were pretty consistent with MyFab Finance. I mean, like you said, you didn't necessarily get accepted or get that ticket for the first FinCon uh, conference that you wanted to go to, but you were still doing your blog. And a year later, you know, all these opportunities came your way. So I definitely think that's worth noting. 
So going to the premise of your business, what I really love that you talk about is really the power of mindset when it comes to creating wealth for yourself and becoming financially free. Can you share more about your thoughts on the power of mindset? Yeah, um, so I definitely believe in like the energy of money um, and being and owning our thoughts and the way the thoughts set the tone for what we expect and what we do. Um, when people say thoughts have power, I think that thoughts have power, not necessarily because your words have power, but your words influence how you decide to navigate. And so um, if I, I've just seen it in my own career, like when I think that something isn't going to work out and so forth, something usually doesn't work out. When I affirm that it's going to work out for my greater good and believe that everything is working out for my greater good, they generally do work out for my greater good. Um, and so it just behooves, like you, they always say it takes as much energy to be negative as it does to be positive. And it behooves you to just focus on being um, more positive and um, positive minded because it attracts so many things other than money to you. It, and, and, and it keeps you open to opportunities. It's almost like, you know, you see a pouting, you, you see a pouting child and they're angry or they're throwing a tantrum. Like they're not going to eat their snacks because they're angry. They can't receive it in that moment. But if you think about like someone who's like a child who's happy and like cheery, and I just say this because I have a child, my child is two and is in tantrum zone. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're able to receive it because they're in a positive space. And so I feel like the same is with money, the same is with opportunities, the same is with abundance. But if you don't set the tone mentally, then you won't ever be able to see your opportunities for what they are. I love that. And I'm completely on board with everything you said and totally believe that as well. And I know, you know, you, you've done so much work on yourself over the years and you also had this mentality that you were never good at math. You didn't think you were good at finance. I mean, who would ever, ever thought that you would create a business around it, but do you have any rituals or habits that really allowed you to shift your mindset and create more abundance in your own life? Well, when it comes to math, no, <laughs> just try again. <laughs> um, I, I took math. I took several of my math classes over and over again when I was in college, just until like I could figure it out. Um, but asking for help and so forth was really important with that. And I think that applies with your personal finances, asking for help, looking for help that's available. Um, if it's a topic that you don't understand, like maybe it doesn't come natural to you. That doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means that it's something that money isn't natural to like us as human beings. Like money is something that we created and so forth. So it's not like as easy as eating or seeking nourishment. And so it's okay to find, understand what you don't know, understand what you want to learn or to do better, and then seek those resources out to help you do that. There's no shame in it, joining communities and so forth. So I just say like, it's okay. You shouldn't be ashamed by what you know, or what, and you shouldn't be ashamed well, for what you know or what you don't know. Um, and just continue to like, inc if, it, if you aren't able to pay someone to do it for you, then figure it out how to do it. And if you can't afford to pay someone to do it or explain it to you, then do that. Absolutely. And we'll link a lot of your resources if anybody listening wants to become more educated with their financials and personal wealth. Tanya has quite a bit of detail and information for us. So we'll make sure to share that with you. But also one thing that really stands out with what you said, Tanya, is the power of asking for help. I feel like a lot of people feel uncomfortable or they feel stupid when they ask questions or they feel overwhelmed. And I think, you know, really to take a step back and realize that 
We all aren't expected to know everything and that's okay. And if you don't ask for help, then you're never going to build that knowledge. So I think that is just incredibly powerful to even hear. So shifting gears a little bit, you are a national speaker. You have a wealth of clients that you mentor. What would you say are some of the key common mistakes or money problems that people typically face? Feeling like they have to do like all or nothing, just kind of like this like zero sum game approach to finances. Like if I didn't do that, if I didn't do this, then I can't do that. Or the feeling that um, I learned to do this or I am focusing almost too obsessively on something. I definitely think you need to zero in on like, this is what my goal is. But I see a lot of people focusing on something just because they think it's what they're supposed to focus on. So for example, when I got started, I I was heavily focused on um, my credit, like really building my credit score and everything. But now in retrospect, like credit wasn't the thing that was most important. It was building a savings account. Savings was most important. And so figuring out what's most important and then focusing on that, but also feeling like just because I didn't do this right I should just give up or just because this didn't go the way I thought it would like it's a it's a lost game because it's not there are so many other opportunities so that's one of the big mistakes I see people making um not saving enough is another one um like people don't realize how important savings are and like they'll focus on debt elimination instead of understanding that if you don't have a substantial amount of say a decent amount of savings set aside then there's a potential that you'll create more debt um because you're going to have to go like you either borrow from yourself or you borrow from someone else. And like, so if you don't have the resources there, so I think people don't realize how important saving is. And when the pandemic first hit, one of the things was like, we've been teaching about this. This is what I've been doing for the past seven years is hoping to prepare people for this, this moment right here, this unforeseen moment. None of us thought this happening. And um, some people are financially okay in this scenario and some people aren't. I'm glad you brought this up because we actually polled our audience on Instagram and I asked them, you know, are there any pressing questions or things that are, you know, top of your mind that you want me to chat with Tanya, who is a money expert. And I was shocked with how many people were bringing up questions about savings and how they should think through that process versus investing their money. So I know that's a broad question and probably unique to the individual, but can you share you know, any thoughts or advice that you have when it comes to savings? I mean, the primary tip is like making your savings inconvenient. Um, like Because when you make your savings inconvenient, you make it more difficult for you to um, use it for things that aren't savings related emergencies. So it definitely is like make your savings inconvenient by making your savings inconvenient. That means opening an inconvenient savings account. So if you bank with First Bank of Atlanta, let's say that if you bank with First Bank of Atlanta um, for your primary checking, then put your savings in like, you know, Sweetwater Creek Credit Union. Put it in something that is separate from your primary savings, your primary checking, because you won't be as tempted. And sometimes you can almost like gamify and hide the money from yourself. Um, So that's definitely um, a savings tip. The other one is, you know, save what you can. Some people get so hung up on if I'm not able to do this amount right now, then like I just will wait until I can do it, do it that amount. It's like, no, if you can put 50 aside, put 50 aside. If you can put, you know, if you can put 200 aside, then put that 200 aside. It doesn't have to be the same amount every month. Every time you put money aside, it's just like the importance that you are putting money aside. Um, So that's another tip. And then 
sometimes people put too much of a burden on themselves to save based on their current income instead of understanding like, I need to find a way to bring more money in so I have more money to allocate towards my financial goals. And so maybe you build your savings with a side hustle, or maybe you build your savings with like things that you sell on Etsy or things you sell on, you know, on Amazon or eBay or Craigslist, whatever it may be. Maybe that's how you're building your savings and not through your primary income. Because sometimes it's not a money management issue. It solely is an income issue and you just don't make enough to get ahead financially. That's so powerful to hear because it's true. You know, I've been in this position. I've heard people say this where it's like, I'm not making that much money to save quite a bit. You know, it's barely, I'm barely making ends meet. I'm paying my bills and my rent and affording my day to day, but I don't have that much money to save. And I think it's interesting if you can to kind of switch the script and think about, you know, what are other ways to make income? Even if it's a small feat for yourself, whether it's selling something on Etsy, like you said, or consulting. I mean, you'd be surprised the amount of knowledge that you have in your specific industry. You know, there could be people who are willing to pay you and it could be a small amount, but you never know until you try. So I think that's a really interesting way to think through savings. We also got a few questions about investing, right? So it, as you think about your financials, the amount of cash you have on hand, how do you think through the amount of money that you should save in a savings account versus the amount of money that are in the market and that you're investing? You know, I mean, I think that the money that's in your savings account should be the money that's in your savings account. The money that's in your savings account is not investment money. It's money there in the event of an emergency or something of that nature or the event that you're going to need it. I always um, say that your investment money should essentially be your play money. It should be the money that you're not going to miss. It should be the money that, it, like, because with, let's be realistic, there is risk associated with investing. And so what you don't want to happen is that you are um, investing money you can't afford to lose. And that creates an even more stressful situation. So when we're thinking about our savings, when you're thinking about how much money you have set aside in savings, then it is like, do I have enough to cover my expenses through the time frame in which I'm comfortable. So can I, am I comfortable with having just two months of my rent and my utilities set aside in savings? Or am I more comfortable with having six months set aside? Because if you're comfortable with two months, then go ahead and start investing. Um, but I've seen, you know, it's not either or in some situations. And I've seen people who do both. And you can do both if your financial finances support it. And I encourage people to do both. You just might not be able to do both aggressively. So you might want to save aggressively before a time period, or you want to um, invest it. You know, once you reach a certain point with your savings and you can begin investing aggressively, it's not an either or scenario. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, even for myself, pre-COVID, I always felt comfortable having, you know, three months worth of savings in the event of, you know, if something happened, if I lost a job or if I needed money for emergency situation. And now post-COVID, I'm definitely thinking to extend that amount of time even more because you just never know. You know, what I think is also powerful that you alluded to is Getting into the habit of saving, even though even if it's $10, $20, $50, and not always waiting for that next opportunity where you make more money and you can save more, or when you get that bonus, you can just park all that money into your savings. I think it's more so of a habit. So I really love that you brought that up because I think that's something that we can all practice and do in our day-to-day -day lives. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk more about your motherhood experience. You've been very open that before having your son, you and your husband 
had a very flexible lifestyle. You traveled quite a bit. You both were doing financially well, and you weren't really quite sure, you know, what life would look like having a child. So fast forward to today, you have an adorable son who's two and two thriving businesses. How has motherhood changed the way you look at your life today and entrepreneurship? You know, um, it, it reflects like the power of intention and the power of manifestation because it's like this was what I wanted to create. Um, but then it also does, um, you know, it requires a certain level of humility on my part because like I, you know, having a son, like kids don't care who you are. They don't care what you do. They don't care what you have to accomplish. They want it their way and they want it how they want it when they want it. And so with my son, it really has been um, humbling. And like I, I, I walk to his beat. I, like, I, I march to his drum um, instead of him marching to mine. And so um, that's been interesting to navigate and it's been a learning lesson in itself. But then it also has brought up the need for me to delegate and for me to have people around that I can trust and delegate to um, and make some hard, some decisions Somebody who might have been working before I became a mother isn't working now. Um, and so make those you know decisions that might not always feel comfortable with me and like my, my teammates, the people who work for me become like family. Like I, I, I hire them because I like them um, and they become like family and letting them go is kind of like, I hate to do this on a personal level, but you know, so, but it has demanded that I am supported by, um, by solid help. And um, in, in both of my businesses and knowing that I can't do it alone. With my pet finance, I did it alone for the first like two years until I brought on my first assistant. Club Lufa, no way. <laughs> like there's, there's <laughs> no way. Yeah, I know Club Lufa is the more recent business that you bought and you're completely revamping and rebranding. So I'm sure that would be really tough if, if it was just on you. But we hear this a lot when, you know, entrepreneurs turn mothers, they really emphasize the power of delegating and being able to feel comfortable letting things go and having their team run with it. So I always think it's helpful to hear. And also, you know, as someone who is juggling two businesses, I'm sure you get a lot of opportunities to speak or be involved in different projects. How do you really get clear on what you want to put time and energy into given that you're balancing just so many different things at your in your life right now yeah i mean it's it's an ongoing thing honestly it is it's an ongoing um challenge to navigate um because my time looks different at different times like when i first became a mother covid hadn't happened but i had daycare for my son and so my schedule was pretty much unfazed i was able to get into a groove um then my son went to daycare and i was still able to get into a groove and then covid happened and we had him all day every day it's like i am not in a groove anymore and so um it was it definitely was um important for me to just just really find that find that delicate balance find like and i think people ask about balance it's really about being flexible it really is about being flexible and being flexible in my business. Um, with Club Lufa, it's requiring a different aspect of me and requiring a different level um, of knowledge that I previously didn't necessarily, didn't, I don't feel like I took into my fat finance. Um, so it, it's, it's stretching. I will, I will say that it is stretching and it's frustrating to an extent because I did have such a solid schedule um, early on and not operating in that schedule. It's been really frustrating. 
Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of mothers listening who feel the exact same way in their lives. And what I think is interesting about what you just mentioned is, you know, balance, that's a misnomer. And I like how you mentioned flexibility. Can you kind of elaborate more on what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, so when I say flexibility, it means understanding that some things aren't just aren't going to get done. It means understanding like, okay, today we focus on this, but tomorrow we have to focus on this. And I know that you had this on your to-do list today, but it didn't get done. But guess what? nothing broke. Like it's still okay. Let's deal with it tomorrow. And if you can't get to it until next week, then cool. Let's postpone this thing until next week. Um, right now your son, you haven't really spent time with him today. So go on a walk and take him outside, Like you know, and put everything else on the back burner. It'll be okay. There after being an entrepreneur for five years, there are very few things that are just like, so pressing that not addressing them would be disastrous for myself or my business. And that's what I'm learning. Like emergencies, someone else might have an emergency on their part, but it's very important for me to communicate boundaries and let them know, um, hey, thank you for sending this. I don't work on Sundays. I'll get this back to you on Monday. Or, okay, you sent this to me at 5 p.m. on a Tuesday my workday ends at 6 p.m. So I know you're asking for a response by the close of business, but we have other things that we're doing and we'll get back to you tomorrow by the close of business. Um, just really not allowing people's like emergencies to create emergencies on my part. Um, but also being compassionate, understanding, and you know, I get something to someone in reason, um, and but I'm not gonna grossly inconvenience my life as a, like, as a result of someone else's emergency. And uh, that's, that's been something that's really important when it comes to flexibility, because I think that initially when I started my fat finance, I wanted to please everyone. Like everything had to be like how, you know, I j- it just had to be perfect and I had to be responsive and so on, so on, so on. Now it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you know, that's something that I still continue to work on every day. But your story also reminds me of another guest we had, I believe it was episode five with Dana Trout. She's the founder of Health Aid Kombucha. And she said, you know, when she had her first kid, it made her an even better CEO that she really mm-hmm. learned how to delegate to her team. And she got really clear on those boundaries and what was really important that I think she came up with like one of their biggest business opportunities during that time. So I think that's just always good to hear. And sometimes you just got to take yourself out the equation. Yeah. And being okay with that yeah yeah and not like not you know not letting not like taking your ego out the equation just being like no this is what the business needs this is what i need like let's step back that's true and i love that you're also in that equation because i think sometimes we can forget about ourselves in that situation so one thing i want to talk about is i read in an article where you said you are a master in personal finance and you have that all under control in your own life. But when it came to managing your businesses and the financials that were around that, that was a big learning experience for you. Can you share more about what you meant by that and some of the key learnings that you came across when managing two businesses? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. In high school, you learn geometry and you learn like Pythagorean theorems, but you don't learn valuations. (laughs) You know, you don't exactly learn valuations. You learn about compound interest, which is important. But but you don't learn about like leveraging debt or debt notes and so forth. And um, when it came down to being a business owner, it was like, yes, I know how to make money. I know how to spend money. But how do I like and what 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 amount of money demonstrates the, the health of my business? And how do I play at the level as an entrepreneur, as these other like success stories that we hear um, without understanding 
everything like that went into their success and what what they have access to. Um, they, they have a team of financial advisors. They have a team of people making decisions. What do you do when you're the person making all of the decisions? You're making the financial decisions. You're making the marketing decisions. You're making the branding decisions. You're making all of them. What do you do in that end? And how does that affect your finances? And so with that, yeah, even with the acquisition of Club Lufa, um, there were so many things that I had to familiarize myself with, like average order value, LTV, return on ad spend, like all these different things that are not common sense to me. Um, but are important to know because as I started having conversations not with with mentors to to prepare me to start having con- conversations with potential investors, I realized like how much I didn't know when it came to business finance, like what really ensures the health of a business other than the money in the bank account, because that's not the only thing. And so um, still learning in that area, still hope to see more uh, resources available to people who aren't familiar with that or don't have that um, knowledge in their network. Because it could mean the difference between you selling your business while it's doing well and you just like selling it before the boat goes down. It, it, it could make all the difference. Absolutely. And I totally understand what that feels like. Even for me, you know, someone who has a finance background, you would expect that I would be good in business and startups and entrepreneurship. But when I decide to leave that life and start something on my own, which I'm still in early stages on right now, I really reached out to my mentors and people I've come across over the years to, you know, help guide me. And one thing that I've learned in this process is the power of asking and just how much you can learn through that. But I thought the conversations were so valuable that I wanted to, you know, put them at scale and share them with other, you know, budding entrepreneurs who had similar questions that I did. And of course, Google is my best friend. So I've become incredibly resourceful in that aspect. So I want to close on one last question that we love to ask all of our guests. Wealth means so much more than money and everybody has their own definition of wealth. What does that mean to you? Um, Wealth means like having the ability to live life on my terms whether that means health-wise, financially, spiritually, it's living life and experiencing my ultimate vision, ultimate life vision on my terms. That's truly wealthy to me. Well, thank you, Tanya, for being with us today and taking the time to share your story and so many gems that we can definitely implement in our own lives. Thank you so much. I hope everybody learned something from this and hopefully that there's something that you can apply in your lives. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.